One of the best things I ever did for myself was to register for the DNA surprise retreat last year. It was shortly after I found out about my DNA surprise and my ethnicity shift. The retreat was a place of community and friendship and understanding and learning that I was not alone. I learned skills to manage the shock and I was learning to begin to heal. I was so surprised that many people were going through the very same thing or similar circumstances. I was surprised by the empathy and the care that I received. I was surprised in a lot of other good ways. Is there any way you can go to the retreat this year? I can highly recommend it in every way. Let your story begin. Let your healing begin. Whether you just uncovered your DNA surprise or you've been on this journey for a while, the DNA Surprise Retreat is for you. Registration is open now. Join us from September 19th through the 22nd, 2024, just outside of Phoenix, Arizona. You can reserve your space at dnasurpriseretreat.com. I'll see you there. The second you see the structure, you don't feel so horrible. You don't feel so horrible. Like you don't feel like it's someone's fault, your fault that you need to throw an egg at someone or punch someone in the face. The second that you can release that individual part and you can look at the structure and then you're like, I'm going to fight that. That's what I want to fight, right? Welcome to DNA Surprises, a podcast that delves into the world of unexpected DNA discoveries. I'm your host, Alexis Auerselt. In July 2021, my life took a surprising turn when I found out that I'm an NPE, a person who has experienced a non-paternal event. In other words, my biological father isn't who I thought he was. Join me as we explore the stories of NPEs, adoptees, and donor-conceived people and their families. Get ready to unravel the astonishing journeys that begin with a simple DNA test. This is DNA Surprises. Erica's incredible DNA surprise journey starts with a mind-altering awakening. Erica always felt an underlying sense of otherness in her family. After an experience with psilocybin, or magic mushrooms, she realized that there was a big lie in her life. Thanks to a DNA test and a potent dose of self-awareness, a truth emerges that casts her entire upbringing in a new light. In this episode, Erica shares how she's navigated the emotional fallout, reassessed her relationships, and grappled with her newly discovered Irish lineage. She also discusses how patriarchal norms in our society can create toxicity within the NPE community. Thank you for sharing your story, Erica. My name is Erica. I'm 42 years old and I live in and around North Bay, Ontario. I've been listening to your podcast now and gone through quite a few of them. So I do see a lot of similarities, right? And I see a lot of common threads. Mainly, I guess, the unsettled feeling of just having a, a hint and nudge that something might not be right. And my DNA story is kind of wrapped into that feeling. I think that's guided me up until today and never really acting on it. Maybe uh, a bit of cognitive dissonance, maybe a little bit of reckoning with reality. My family is just like many, very complicated, very challenged 
very dominated by bloodlines. And I want to say that because bloodlines were something that were woven into everything growing up. All my siblings, we come from a broken family. So it was very clear who came from what lineage, who came from where. And by virtue of that, that created a whole framework in our family of who succeeded and who didn't, the haves and the have-nots. So things were really structured around bloodlines. And I think that's a very common thing for many Catholic families, I think, that Mm -hmm. they're kind of a rigid structure of patriarchy, if you will, coming from a family of three kids, a divorce, and then more children after that. The world kind of was uh, in front of me that was step, half, full, that really dominated our lives. So by virtue of that, there were the older siblings that that were kind of riddled with <laughs> baggage. And then the new ones that kind of came in that were more clean, more, they were more pure, if you will, because they came from a patriarchal kind of structure. So essentially, you had parents that were divorced. Yes. First batch of kids through them. Yeah. And then did each of your parents remarry and have additional yes. children? Okay. Mm-hmm. And so those new, the children that came from those new marriages were maybe favored. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they would never say that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So early on, there was a huge kind of break in our family really early on. And it was shortly after I was born. Now that has an important part to it, Alexis, because it does matter. So right after I was born, my family broke apart Then remarriage has happened. But in those times, a tremendous amount of childhood, like stress, trauma, to the point where now, I don't know if who anybody listening has children where you look back at your own children and think like, my God, I would never want to impose that on my own kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a very chaotic childhood, really mirrored and really dictated by these bloodlines of who was more and who was less, and who was succeeded, and who didn't, right? So I'd often mm-hmm. walk into rooms, and I just I- instantly felt that I was there was a big dark cloud over my head, and I didn't know what it was. So when you have that subliminal kind of subconscious messaging, when you're weaving in and out of the family, and going into certain rooms, or attending certain functions, that you're kind of like dirty, or not clean, or not pure, or not full, that message, subliminal, carries throughout your whole life and that really is a part of my dna story is that just general feeling right Mm -hmm. so as i've aged the the relationships with a lot of the the people in my adults in my life were really became fractured over time as i developed and put some time into learning and unlearning myself it it just ended up just kind of fracturing a lot of those relationships and some were held on by a thread and some became a little bit stronger but this this just dominated my world i felt like even reaching your 40s, as tragic as it, as it sounds, you know, my parents still dominated my life, my psyche, the back of my head, like they were just a constant, not a good presence. Like they were just there. Yeah. <laughs> my sister said this to me, she was like, imagine if like, your daughter, imagine if she was 42 years old, and her whole life is like stressed about you. Like how tragic would that be? Right? So anyway, one day, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you guys the full the full story. So one day my kids go away to summer camp. Okay. And I've got really good kids. (laughs) They're so well-behaved. They're good. Like they're not perfect, but they're good. And I've got a pretty stable, good life. 
And, but one, so my, my kids go away and my brother goes, Hey, you know, Erica, I've got a birthday present for you. And he hands me a little bit of mushrooms. So a drug, right? So a little mm-hmm. bit of mushrooms. And so anybody who's listening to this right now and they're like, Oh my gosh, she's talking about drugs. <laughs> yes, I am. And uh, I think that every adult does a drug, but it's been a long time. I haven't touched a drug in 20 years since I was really young, but I was kind of excited. I was like, Ooh, I'm going to take a small amount of these mushrooms, like just enough, not enough to launch me into this stratosphere, but just enough to like heighten the experience of watching a movie. Right. So just enough to Mm -hmm. just open up your senses. So the colors look a little different and that maybe the reality in front of you is just slightly turned, but nothing that was like, Eric is going to space, you know, I've been there, but I was not launching myself to space that night. Yeah. Um, So if anybody needs to know a little bit more about mushrooms is that sometimes they just like dissolve the sense of self opens up a few doors once in a while and just, just changes reality. So nothing scary. It can be scary, but it wasn't scary. So uh, the person I was with, I was sitting beside and a calm sense of urgency came over me. This was recently. And I turned and looked at them and they were just laughing at the movie. And I was like, hey, 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 I've got to tell you something. I think my whole life's a lie. Imagine being the other person and trying to like relate to me. They're like, are you okay? Erica, what did you do? Take too much? And I was like, no, I'm totally fine. And I was completely fine. If you were to see me on the street, I would have been completely fine. But I was like, I feel like my life is a lie. I feel like there's there's dark cloud over me. And I feel like everybody knows this lie, but me, and it has completely dictated my entire life. And I, I need to find out what this lie is. I need to find out what this lie is. And so for the other person, they're like, oh no, something's wrong with Erica. But it wasn't wrong at all. Like it was like all of a sudden something just cracked in the in the in the floodgate. Like it just cracked. The the whole foundation just went like a crack just went up it. And yeah. I felt by virtue of the mushrooms, I guess, is that I felt that I felt like I figured it out on like a cellular mm-hmm. level. Okay. Yeah, and but so, not necessarily what it was, but you just no knew idea. there's a lie. There's a lie. My life is a lie. Okay. My life is a lie. My life is a lie. Everyone knows about it. And it has dictated my entire path, my personality, my politics, everything. Like I, it's dictated who I am and where I am today. And I feel like the jig is up. I need to figure out what this lie is. And I need to figure it out now. Anyway, we watched a movie. And then the next day I was like, I'm adding to cart. I am adding one of these DNA tests to the cart. That was the very next morning. So very next morning, I order this, I kind of forget about it, I get it back, and then I send it along pretty in quick succession, I think that day, because I was very excited to find out if there was something hiding up here. And then I got the results back. And you know how long that takes, you know, just a little while, enough for you to forget about it, but then enough for you to be excited when it arrives. And so it arrives, I open it all up, I click on all the things. As many of you know, you look at the screen in front of you and it shows uh, a circle in the one I saw, a circle, and it broke my genetics in half. And I come from a very, like my mom is straight from, like not straight from Ireland, but one generation removed, very Irish. And, but the screen was almost entirely green. Like it said I was almost 100% Irish, right? And Mm. my dad does not have any of those roots my dad's like it's it's strong danish roots like i'm talking white blonde blue-eyed very tall viking man and it just 
I, I just couldn't compute it. As many other people show, it says like, you know, all the last names of my mom, very strong Irish lineage. And then the other side that said 100% Irish had all these mixed names that I ever saw. And I was going through the weeds, right? I was scrolling down looking for one hint <laughs> of, of Danish ancestry or anything. And I was like, well, I can't find anything. And then like many of your listeners and, and people is that I start getting messages from these first cousins and they're all from this tiny, tiny town in Ireland, right? So here I am sitting in like Canada, North Bay, Canada, and I'm getting all these confused messages from these people sitting in Ireland being like, who are you? Where did you come from? Are you, how do you fit into this story? I'm really confused. I, I didn't know that. Are you from this Waterford city in Ireland? You seem to be connected to me. It says you're my first cousin. And I was like, oh, clearly this is wrong. And I know that the listeners might be like, but Erica, you were on a quest. <laughs> the mushrooms yeah. told you. But even then, like even then, the, the power to, to disassociate from that reality is so strong. So I just shut it off. And messages kept coming in. But I did not, like, I don't know, what's the word for that? There has to be a word where you just refuse to accept what reality is showing you. I don't it's know if it's protection. Denial denial because like, it doesn't make sense right like oh you're it says here that you're you're you were pretty much born in ireland and you're 100 percent irish so i just left it and and about a month later i go for lunch with my brother who i'm quite close with my younger brother and by virtue of the bloodlines my my half brother but he's my full brother and we're sitting down for lunch together and I'm super casually talking about, you know, the past month, past two months, and I'm looking down at my soup. It was the end of our lunch. And I was like, you know, I did this DNA test and this is like crazy, <laughs> but all the results said this. And can you believe it? Like, what are these things? Like, they must be ruining people's lives with giving them not right information. And no wonder people think that there's all these hidden secrets. Are they just making this stuff up? Right. And I'm looking down at my soup and I look up. And my brother is bawling. And he was like, Erica, I, 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 I know. I know who your father is, who your biological father is. And it's this one man named John. He's from Ireland. And it's common knowledge. And a lot of people knew about it, but no one told you. And I found out, this is his voice, because of one time when I was in my early 20s, I was convinced that my father wasn't my father. And I kept asking my brother, I'm like, hey, Colin, like, do you know something? Like, do you think that maybe my father's your father? Like, I couldn't fit in the box. Like, I couldn't fit in there. So I started asking at around early 20s. And he asked his father. And his father said, no, this is who her dad is. And he just felt like it was so, too big of a secret. I don't blame him at all, Alexis, because it's not yeah. his burden to carry at all. But that's when I found out. And all the last names collected, like we looked at the obituary together. It was like the the city, <laughs> Waterford wow. City, Ireland, the last names, all these people. And I was like, right? All the reality came together. But to know that there's this whole culture, and I've heard you talk about the culture, but culture mm -hmm. and world and reality that my reaction was, I fucking knew it. I knew it. I fucking knew it. Like I was like, I was pointing my finger. I was like, I fucking knew it. Like, I'm sorry to swear, but I was like, I knew it. That's I okay. knew that there was something there. Right. I knew it. <laughs> what was your reaction as you're sitting there at the table? 
like maniacal, like, <laughs> like I had like, a, like, a, like I knew it. Like I found out, like I almost like, I don't know. It wasn't laughing like, ha ha, but it was like, almost like there was joy. And because I was like, finally, right. I, here is the key. But there's also, you know, after that initial reaction of I knew it was so, so known, so dark. Like after that it became a whole world of dark that I have, I live in darkness. Like dark is a very, um, quite comfortable in that headspace, but it was like sub sub dark. Like when you, when you know this, but when you get detached yeah. from your reality, it was almost like I, w- I was sitting in a, in a, in a sea of balloons and someone cut the balloon and I was floating away. Like I, I had no identity. I had lost my, my sense of reality. Um, it got to the point where like, I questioned everything, like, like everything to my marriage. Like I was like, should I have married this guy? Like my husband's wonderful, but I was like, is this yeah. my reality? Should this path, is this the path I should have had? Should it have been a different path? Should I be living in Ireland right now? How come like, is my name Erica? <laughs> yeah. Sound like it. That's not my name. Like I was at a massage a little while ago and they were like, Erica. And then they get like, cause my, my last name is very Scandinavian. And she looks at me and she goes, you don't look Scandinavian. I'm like, I know. Right. I know. I know. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, so I had this moment of like, is this my name? This shouldn't be my name. Like total absolute detachment from reality, which is like, cannot be understated how much that royally messes someone up. Like scary royally messes someone up. Right. Yeah. So that was really tough. And if I didn't have some of the foundations of the work that I had done before then, if I didn't have, you know, a solid partner, you can just see, Alexis, if you took away one of my foundations, like how much more difficult it would have been to grapple yeah. with this, right? So your brother reveals to you that he knew mm-hmm. and he said everyone knew. Mm-hmm. Who's everyone? Did all of your siblings know? The adults. The adults in our life knew. So the history here is back in the 80s and 70s, you know, I I try to have a little bit of perspective of the time, right? The time that we're talking about. And I try Mm -hmm. to have perspective too. I work in like feminist organizing. I work for sexual violence assault centers. I have a lens of, of patriarchy and feminism here that, you know, sometimes in other DNA communities, it's why I'm actually don't really jive in some of them because there is a layer of misogyny that I'm quite uncomfortable with that I see threaded through a lot of these conversations. And I have a very nuanced, very Mm -hmm. nuanced look at this. Like, I don't care. Like, I know that humans are complicated, Alexis. Like, I know that. Like, I know that I, I don't have perfection. I know that morality is like, concept that that is all just a lot of it's made up (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i know that being a woman during the 70s and 80s must have been really hard because you've got this like wave of feminism being like you can do whatever you want this is a good time you can uh, be a career woman but then meanwhile you still had all these super structures of expectation of like being a mom being a parent it must have been a very challenging time to be a woman and a mother and i know my mom and even though we don't have a strong relationship i do have a lot of her personality and she's got a joie de vivre right and so you know here comes along this is my father's colleague by the way which adds some insult to injury but 
you know, early 80s, late 70s, you've got these physicians that were making a bit of money. They were younger. They all had young families. The world was their oyster, right? So these two, my mom is Irish, meets up with this other very Irish man. And of course, they're going to hit it off. I'm not shocked that that happened. So they had a very long relationship and they had a long relationship. And he ended up leaving town because I think when you all of a sudden I start growing and I start looking a lot like him, like, what's he going to do? He's going to leave. So he leaves town with his family. I believe my mom knew for sure. I mean, I look a lot like this man. I look nothing like my father. It was a common, everyone who now says like, oh yeah, well, we all knew that. Like all the physician crew, they all knew, all of their families knew. My dad, someone told my dad, I think he didn't want to admit it or hear it. My stepmother knew she recited a story. Like even, even when she found out, when she's like, hey, Erica did this and she found out, she's like, and she blurted out the guy's name right away. Like everyone knew or had a really strong suspicion that this was the case. But my beef, my beef is that no one had the stones to reckon with it. Like no one wanted to admit it. No one wanted to accept it, I guess. And so they would much rather just pretend that it didn't happen and life can go on than make it more complicated, I guess. I I, I don't really know. I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. After you have this information, do you confront your mother, your father? The first person I told was my sister. And I use all my siblings, like I've never understood people calling half and step. And I I just like my siblings, my sibling. So, but I told my sister and everybody who I did tell my siblings, like, well, that makes sense. Right. Like (laughs) no no one was surprised, but I told my sister and I really kind of worked out some initial thoughts with her. And then because my relationship with my mom is so weak, I knew that this would set off something a lot bigger. And so I just texted her and said, Hey, do you know this man? And I linked his obituary, but I did a DNA test and everything is pointing to me being related to this guy. Do you have anything to say? Right. And either way, I'm fine. I'm not here to fight with you. And she said, yes, she had a long relationship. She said it was a very unhappy time in her life. And, you know, she's really sorry and blah, blah, blah. And then when I told my dad, he said, yeah, I always had a suspicion that this was the case, you know, and don't worry. Like his initial reaction was great. He was like, you're, you're always my daughter. Like, I, I love you. It doesn't matter. But you're really important to me. And we've always been really close. And I hope this brings us closer together. But what ended up kind of happening from that is that just other people got in the way of it. it I don't know how to explain it, but egos got in the way. You know, my dad, all of a sudden, then he kind of did a turn. He started to feel really sorry for himself. He started to really blame my mother. And then it turned into the whole baggage of my childhood and fingers started flying across. Everyone started blaming each other and no one, Alexis, no one, not one of them paused and said, Hey, how's Erica doing in all this? Like not one of them paused and said, maybe we should apologize to her. Yeah. Maybe we should talk to her. Like no one, they were, they all got so consumed with your mom has no morals and she's always been that way. Like it became this finger pointing nightmare and I cut them all off. Cause I was like, how the hell am I supposed to heal from this? While you guys are expecting me to continue the long baggage of garbage that you dumped on me from a childhood. And you're not 
not one of you, I mean, it really explains their parenting, but not one of you is paused. Like I'm still a child. You know what I mean? I'm still their child. Even though I'm 42 right. years old, my parents would just seem to really want me to work through their garbage with them. And I couldn't do it. Like I, so I've cut them because I was like, I need to have the mental space to process this because I'm not doing well. And if I don't process this and I don't work through this mud, I, I can't have their, their noise surrounding me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had, I had to cut them off. I had to cut them, them all off and it hurt them, but I, I can't like, how can anyone weave through this with their noise in the background at the same time? Yeah. So, what, so what was that? So how long after your discovery did you say, I need to cut you off and take space? Oh, myself? pretty quick. <laughs> pretty quick. I had to do it because you know what happened is like all of the garbage from my childhood came flying up to the surface. All of the stuff that no one talked about, all of the, the situations, the behaviors, like it all came up to the surface. I cracked everybody. It cracked everybody. It cracked my siblings because we grew up in a world of like, you are not allowed to talk about your feelings. You're not allowed to talk about childhood trauma because it hurts my feelings. You're not allowed to challenge the structure because if you do, you're looked at, I was looked at as a horrible, ungrateful daughter. Like a daughter and children need to be subservient to their parents, never question them. If you question them, then you are a bad kid, ungrateful. I learned a lesson really early on that you never challenge, especially my mother's emotional box that she carries, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was never a thing to discuss feelings, never, right? And so you have 40 years of baggage and then all of a sudden I come out as the truth teller that I've always been and been like, Hey guys, like the jig is up. (laughs) Maybe it's time we should all be truthful with each other. And it just set off this alarm and immediately had my dad, had my mom, had my stepmother and their like triangle of hate that they have for each other. And they were just just throwing it back down on me. And the weight, I was like, there was a sense of freedom, Alexis, where I was like, Hey, I don't have to take any of your shit anymore. My sister said, oh my gosh, you're your own sovereign island now. (laughs) You should be so excited. I looked at them and it was like, all of a sudden I had an excuse and a reason that I've always wanted to cut. Because here I am, this like very, very left-leaning, very progressive, very outspoken, my whole world. And I've gotten into politics has revolved around that and fairness and transparency and kindness. And I've got these like far-right, irrational Christo fascist family members that I was like happy. <laughs> and so thank yeah. God I'm not related to them. Like no wonder yeah. I never fit in. Right. Like no wonder. <laughs> and so yeah. the, the ability to just be like, Oh, like, Oh, get away from me as I like sort this out was actually really welcomed. And I wasn't trying to be mean. I just, it's just so you don't realize like the bag you're carrying and how heavy it is until you put it down. Until you put it yes. down. And then that's you're such like, a good way I'm of putting that. Yeah. So tired of it. It's like I was born with a backpack of rocks. Here's here. Now go. And you're like, no wonder I was like a sad, depressed. Like I was carrying around like my parents' baggage and the cloud of this secret. It does a number to someone over time. So I was really eager to, in many ways, like just kind of cut them out. So you cut them off. You said, I'm mm. going to take time to work through this on my own. What are your next steps? Like, what do you do to start processing all of this? I think that if I were to 
summarize it in many respects is that the ground underneath me feels incredibly firm. You know, the sea around me is stormy. <laughs> There's lots of chaos and stormy. But for the first time in my life, Alexis, I feel like I'm standing on solid ground. Mm. Here I am. I now know what the lie is. I now know how it maneuvered in my life. And I think back to all these little examples and like, I, I just feel like all of a sudden the world makes sense now. It's not fair, but it makes sense. Right. And I'll always rather truth than lying. Do I think that like my life would have been better? knowing that this other guy like i don't think that other guy wanted me which is totally fine but i do think that truth really matters right and and you can always grapple with the truth even if it's really really hard <laughs> you can always make yeah. like the truth always is so much easier in so many respects but the the one thing is i've had to really release part of my release from them is like a release of blame i don't have any interest in in blaming anyone i do have a lot of critiques for them when they knew how they handled it or what they did or didn't do. Just been working through some of some of those feelings. I'm kind of hopping over the identity stuff. I don't have an urge to blow up my, you know, biological father's family. I did let them know just because it was gonna get to them. And I'd rather that message come from me. But I don't have any interest in like forming bonds there. And they were kind. They were kind. Thank you for telling us. And I don't think it was a surprise to them. But I, I don't really like, I've got a big messy family. I don't feel like it's like, I've already royally messed up a whole unit over here. And I don't really feel like stepping into their unit and being the disruptor of there. I don't want to disrupt everyone's lives. Um, I get it. Although I have to say, I need to validate for you. You didn't blow up your family. Yes, like, you're right. That no, was right. their choice to keep the secret. You just uncovered it. So you yeah. said that. You found an obituary. So your biological yeah. father is deceased. Mm -hmm. Have you been able to learn anything more about him and the family without necessarily wading into it? Or are mm -hmm. you not interested in, in learning more there? No, it's a good question. I, if you read the, the man's obituary and you know who I am, it's like, you know, the joke was always like, put me in the sea of my family and like you know that meme it's like why is it spicy like i like yeah. i was <laughs> like why is that one so spicy <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, but you know when i read it uh you can see that i'm not glorifying this man because clearly he like you know i'm not glorifying him i'm just talking straight up about the like characteristics so i grew up i was a i was a, a guide an outdoor guide so i did extended canoe and kayak trips for example up until my mid-20s you know always really drawn to live being outdoors always being with dogs like always having these like i just had these threads inside of me and i read this man's obituary and it's like all me like <laughs> the whole thing was like mm. loves to go on canoe and kayak trips does has canoed all over the world never went anywhere without a dog strong principles like blah 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 blah. and i was like that you just take out this man's name and insert mine and it would have been the exact same obituary right <laughs> it would have been the exact wow. same obituary yeah and so yeah uh, i sit back and think like, i have a beef i, I feel a sense that the where my anger lies is when you remove someone's i mean i know also i'm white here but like so it's not super colonial, but when you remove someone's culture from them and then they reconnect with that, like when I look at the Irish culture, which I've always had some sense of because of my mom, but I'm like, no shit, I'm 100% Irish. And I look back at the history of that culture of, you know, the revolutionary roots of Ireland, the, the personalities, 
the grit, like it, I, I identify so strongly with that culture that I do have a sense of remorse that that was, I wasn't allowed to have it. I wasn't allowed to be included in it. I was excluded from a culture, right? That I really feel like if I had a chance to embrace as a child, man, would I have like not felt so like, there's something wrong with me? How come I'm like this? Like, where do I fit in here? Like, I definitely had some sort of like emotional Irish DNA. It was there, you know? And it just, Mm -hmm. when you remove that from someone and you don't let people experience who they are to their full context like that is like a a grief that's really hard to that's what i'm having a hard time getting over right that's what i'm Mm -hmm. that's what i'm having a hard time getting over that just feels so terribly unfair and i know this might sound extreme so bear with me as i say this but i'm like a deep thinker but i'm like how is this not kidnapping Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. how is this not criminal i don't know if you've had that thought but it's like how Like, it's like someone took me, hid my life from me, removed me from my reality, raised me under the guise of something entirely. Like, how is that not the same as, like, taking a child and kidnapping them? Like, I know that sounds extreme. I totally, no, it doesn't sound extreme. The part that burns me, too, is that, like, my father is a physician. I say father, like, when I speak of my father, it's my father. And I'm like, you had all these tools at your disposal to find out. Like all these people who told you, hey, that's, you know, that's probably John's kid. My dad doesn't like ruffling feathers. And we were quite close. There's stories of my mom, like, you know, attachment theory. There's stories of my mom not being attached to me as an infant. And my father always said, well, ever since you were born, you were attached to me. And the world has told me that my mom was detached from me, right? As as an infant. So mm-hmm. I've always had a good, strong bond with him. And I can see, like, there's love there, right? Like, yeah. there's love. Yeah. We were always very, like, we were close in that regard. But my mom, I just, you know, I just constantly think, what was going on in her brain at that time? Like, what what weight is she carrying? What self-worth and what to- who told her? I don't know. I've got some empathy for her, too, because there's got to have been something going on, even though I don't really appreciate how she acted on all these things. But again. Of course. Are yeah. you the youngest child between well so to speak were you the youngest child between your dad and your mom before they got divorced so you said you were young when they when they divorced right yes so i have two older siblings and sadly one of the sad outcomes of a traumatic childhood is sometimes family like siblings break yeah. we don't spend a lot of time together because i think we weren't able to rationalize a lot of the things that happened but i do there's an older sister older brother me and then my mom had another relationship after that had my younger brother colin and then remarried and my dad had um, married someone much younger polar opposite of my mother my mom's pretty like you know free spirity very fun very outgoing and he married someone the polar opposite of her very loyal very much younger than him, very Catholic, very like happy to participate in the gender roles, you know, never wants to work. Like she loves that structure. And so Uh that's how things have played out. So there's three more kids happened and they were like blonde and beautiful and prized. Okay. I have a really strong memory of going over to their house, which always felt like you were a guest going over to their house. And it was really early on at school. So, you know, 
you measure your kids every single year. Mm-hmm. So they were measuring the, my three younger siblings for the beginning of school. So it was the first day of school. Let's line them up and we're going to mark the mark on the wall. And so everyone lined up and I go to line up and my stepmother goes, oh, this is only for this Anderson family. Only going to measure this Anderson family. And so <laughs> I have to sit back wow. and watch my younger siblings get like their milestones marked. Look at the message that it sends. Like if we measure you, you're going to dirty up this wall. We don't wow. want to even add your name to there. So that's how strong bloodlines were. Like that's how strong they they dominated my whole childhood, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you learned anything about your mother's affair? Did that contribute to the divorce or did they just yes. divorce for other reasons? I think they had a hard go at the beginning of their marriage. They married young. I think they're compatible. You know, really early on, they got in a really huge car accident that rendered my older sibling disabled. It was a tough go. I just think they had a tough go and never really knowing my parents' emotional maturity and coping skills and willingness to go through some of those issues together. I just don't think they put in the time to fix it. And he became a busy physician and she became like this busy mom, which I don't really think is her thing. Like she's just not her thing. And life comes at you fast. You're sold a lot, a bill of goods as a woman. And especially back in the day, like here, if you get married and you do these things, you're going to be happy. And I just don't think that was the case for my mom. I think that she did the things follow the rules and really quickly realized, ah, shit, this is like, this is a farce. (laughs) Yeah. This is a farce. And so they had a, they had a troubled go. So she had this relationship with this man. I think she had multiple lovers from my understanding and they divorced. And then he went on to marry and my mom kind of got harshly punished for the rest of her life because of those choices and everything from the level of child support to like social scrutiny. We lived in abject kind of poverty. Well, my dad, they had a lot of money, like a lot of money. So going through those two worlds was really stark. And it's not hard to zoom out and look at that from a lens of patriarchy and punishment, right? So where that fits into my DNA story is that it it just illustrates a larger point of how how hard we are in these rigid structures and systems that we impose on people. And I just don't know if they're actually how people are supposed to be. I want to talk more about that because you mentioned that you don't necessarily feel like you fit into some DNA surprise spaces because of your view on the patriarchy and how women are treated in our society. Can you Mm -hmm. talk more about that? Because I think that's really interesting. And frankly, I agree with you. So I'm curious to hear more of your thoughts. Mm -hmm. By no means am I excusing anything, right? I'm not excusing anything. And I, sometimes I wish my mother, if she ever does hear this, understands that I, I have like, I have no intent on causing anyone harm or pointing a finger for like experiencing the spectrum of life, right? I just think that we've put people into these boxes really early on and they're quite rigid. And from everything from gender to, to sex to sexuality, and we've just created this system and if someone steps outside of it we're just so fast to whack them right like we're so fast to blame and i just don't know if that's human nature i think human nature is to be kind but i just don't know if these rigid structures and boxes that we put people in are doing anyone a service i think they're doing a great disservice to humanity and i think it's they're quite unkind so when i often see and i look into some dna uh, like i went immediately to some of those dna groups and like 
you can see it once you start seeing the thread and you can kind of look back and zoom in zoom out on it there is an incredible amount of misogyny in those in those spaces of blaming the mother and glorifying the father who didn't know or was cheated on instead of examining like man what was it like to be a woman in 1978 79 1980 what was that like and especially you add the layer of like, what was it like for a racialized woman? What was it like for a queer woman? What was it like? Well, add the layers, right? And yes, like from the grander scope of things, you know, my mom was white, married someone who had some money. So there was definitely some far greater advantages and privileges, but you can see it. You can just see the role of patriarchy in there. You can see the blaming. You can see um, people, and I cornered my mother, like, like, Imagine just for a moment, it doesn't take much. Imagine being in an unhappy marriage and you just like want just for a slice to feel some joy. Can I blame anyone for that? Absolutely not. Does that mean I'm like, everyone, free love. (laughs) Everyone hurts your family. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, you know, a little bit of humanity to look back, zoom out, look at structures, look at how we treat women, look at how we treat racialized women, look at how the expectations the unbelievable expectations that we put on them. And can you blame them for stepping outside of the lines once in a while? Absolutely not. Cause I do the exact same. I, I would, you know, yeah. and a little bit of grace there. Do I think my mom's perfect? Obviously not. We don't have a relationship today, but right. you know, do I have some, you know, empathy for that time? I think it would have been a really challenging time. I just think that we are sold an interesting bill of goods as women and uh we're promised that you know do these things and life is going to be the exact you should be happy and when it turns out to not be that way you don't really have a lot of options mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah i can't be in those spaces i can't be in the mp spaces because I, I i can see it it shoots out like a sore thumb for me yeah thank you for sharing that thank you because i think that that's a conversation that isn't really had. And I hope Mm -mm. that we do start to have those conversations more as more people join this community. Mm -hmm. I think that compassion piece is just really important. What, you know, we don't have to agree with the choices that were made, but I think it's important to, to look at it holistically and not just from that. Yeah. Patriarchal view of bad woman, basically. Yes. You know, and my ultimate motto is I try not to be hard on individuals and it's I try to like be hard on the system. Don't be hard on individuals. And that's something that, you know, guides me and everything, the policy that I make and the things that I do and the shame, right? The shame. We are sexual beings. Women hold a lot of beauty and power in our sexuality. Do I care who anyone had a relationship with and felt a shred of maybe love and compassion and maybe passion with? No, I don't. I don't blame my mom for that at all. She doesn't think that, but... um, I don't, but what I do have some sharp criticism of (laughs) is not telling me the truth and hiding it and keeping that from me because of, again, the system of the patriarchy, right? What's next for you in your journey? What do you see yourself doing to either connect more with your Irish heritage or just to, Mm -hmm. you know, take care of yourself as you navigate this? I explored looking at things like therapy, right? I need a therapist who like will go into the dark spots of structures with me and like philosophical thinking, because that's where, that's where the issue lies, but I haven't been able to find that, but I would be interested in finding someone who can be able to deconstruct that a little bit more. Anything that I've ever experienced that is wholeheartedly crap. And I've been in the darkest spot when I come out of it, like I do so much good work. Like when, when I come out of 
my darkness, which darkness to me is I, I exist in it. I'm 50% happy and 50% sad on any given day since the day I was born. You know, I've always been sad and sadness has been a tool for me. And I know that's not always the case for everyone, but my sadness has taught me a lot. I sit in it. I, I go, okay, let's feel this. And I, it makes the world, people around me uncomfortable, but I feel my sadness. I really feel it. Mm-hmm. And so I've allowed myself to really feel sad. And so I can f- explore that. So I'm continuing to feel sad. <laughs> and then other things, you know, I'm exploring, figuring out how to maybe connect with some Irish heritage. I've kind of leaned on learning a lot more about Irish revolutionaries, the socialist Irish, uh, and maybe going there just to, uh, not to connect with his family, but just to just put my feet on that ground, on that, on that earth, I think would be an important part of the next step. And other than that, it's really, uh, what this has done is it's really ignited a sense of urgency. My kids are getting older and they, as they age, time slips away so fast. And I remember when my firstborn was little, like older women would come up to me and be like, oh, you know, cherish this moment and cherish this time. And I'd be like, okay, thanks lady. I haven't slept in three days and I'm exhausted. But now, you know, I've got a 16 year old and a 12 year old. And you can like, I, I just feel this sense of urgency to spend time with them and to put in even more good time with them. Uh, that has kind of um, just, just shaped that. So I want to spend some more time with my kids. I want to put a little bit more time into ensuring that my partner and I have a strong foundation. And that's, that's the gift that this has brought me, I guess, is the space and the permission to, to really dive into those spaces. That's great. And keep fighting. Really and keep great. fighting. Like I'm a fighter, right? Like a good fighter. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to keep like putting my energy, going home, having a good meal, filling up my belly, you know, spending time with my family, then going back out, fighting the good fight for equality, for equity, going back out and making sure that we're not, you know, sliding on a slippery fascist slope into hell. Like I, I, you know, there's like, I need to, I, I, it's a balance, right? Go home, feel sad, get upset, eat a good sandwich, rally. (laughs) What advice do you have for a parent who is keeping a DNA surprise from their child? Oh, so I've had someone come up to me and say, you know, I've had lots of people because I have a public platform, which I'm for better or worse. I I'm, terribly authentic on it and it either makes things me really connect well with people or it gives people an opportunity to punch me in the face but for the most part this dna story which i did share has brought in some interesting questions like from the public and a lot of people reaching out being like hey you know this happened to me too or but i did get i have this i'm hiding this from my daughter and my recommendation for anyone is that time doesn't make it better you know, as time goes on, people think, oh, you know, why is Erica so upset about this? Or, you know, well, enough time is gone. Can't simply go back 20. Like that was a long time ago. And I, I don't know if I, you know, it'll make their life better or worse if I blow up their world right now. I think people are underestimating how much that secret is dominating their lives now and how much that secret is actually living in between you and your child. And you don't think that they know, but they do know. And they know by the subliminal and covert actions, the tone of your voice, the way you love, the guilt and shame that you hold, they know. They know on a cellular level that something's not right. And allowing them to know the truth sets people free. It makes the world around them make a lot more sense. And I guarantee you that if you navigate it with care and humility and some acceptance, that you can come out of it on the other side. 
And my parents are still kind of learning that lesson, I think. But there's a there's an opportunity there that I think you're that some adults are missing. There's an opportunity. And withholding that information from your child, you're withholding an opportunity. What advice do you have for someone who just discovered that they're an NPE? My advice for anyone who's discovered that they're an NPE would be to feel the feels. Like if you're feeling dark and you're feeling sad, feel it. Uh, obviously, if you're feeling worse than that, then please get help. However, the darkness has a purpose and that knowing the truth, again, the ground beneath your feet is firmer. And when the ground beneath your feet is firm, you can make informed decisions. You can see the path in front of you. And so to not be afraid of that truth and to feel your feelings and not be afraid to take the time and space And I hate to say cut people off because it seems to be such a thing these days. It's like you don't agree with them, cut them off. But don't be afraid to give yourselves a lot of leeway and boundaries so that you can think your own thoughts for once and you can work through this whole process of understanding who you are without being distracted. That would be my recommendation is to give yourself some space. Erica, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and sharing your story, your perspective on the systems that create these DNA surprises and the shame around them. I hope that you continue to process this and move through it. Thanks again to Erica for sharing her story. If you have a DNA surprise story that you'd like to share, please visit dnasurprisespodcast.com. Until next time, this episode of DNA Surprises was hosted, produced, and edited by me, Alexis Auerselt. It was mixed and mastered by Josh Auerselt of Siren Recording Studios.